Welcome to Tune In Tuesday with Christine Tadope, founder of Upvisor. I'm passionate about helping people understand their purpose and unlock the meaning in their lives through business. This podcast is all about tuning in with fellow entrepreneurs and understanding how they have discovered their purpose, but more importantly, how they live out their purpose every day. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to another Tune In Tuesday podcast. And today I'm super excited to be talking to Cindy van Niekerk. She is the co-founder of Umazi. And before Cindy gets started, I just want to let you in on a little secret. This lady has amazing capacity for, for growth and change. And I'm just super excited about what she's doing in her industry. And I'm going to leave it at that. And Cindy, <laughs> go ahead, introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced. Oh, perfect. Thank you for that very kind introduction. So yeah, I'm Cindy van Niekerk. I'm CEO of Umazi. We're a technology platform that facilitates the provision of verified credentials to both financial institutions, corporates, and other institutions, both regulated and non-regulated. That is a lot of big words. You're going to have to expand on that <laughs> just a little bit in a moment. Um, but, but before we ask you that question, maybe just tell us a little bit about um, how you came to be where you are today. What, what caused you to start Umazi? So I sort of moved into the finance industry when I moved to London from South Africa. And the idea behind the technology was sparked when I was actually implementing yet another regulation <laughs> with a financial institution. And it was when the bank was implementing this regulation, we always sent out all of this raft of letters and forms for clients to complete. And the one client sent back a photo to us of all the communication we've literally just sent him around trying to verify his credentials. And sure. it really made me sit back in my chair and think and focus. And I was like, for the bank, they were focusing on compliance as a priority, but for the client, it was just one of the many priorities to try and run his business. Mm -hmm. And the real journey began for me, right? It's um, so fast forward a couple of years on, I was sketching out the problem from every angle. And I sort of decided to leave the corporate world and immerse myself into both the client as well as the technology on how I could solve this. So I left my cushy contractor lifestyle. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then... Uh, launched the startup and basically immersed myself in the world of blockchain. And it was actually, it's, it's very interesting how my technical as well as my regulatory experience that I've gained from working at those financial institutions like JP Morgan, Barclays, as well as some of the startups that I worked at, uh, Marco Polo, TradeIX, was actually has been invaluable today for me as to, and to where I am today. And then, you know, I got to a point where I knew I kind of had the idea right. Um, I knew where the idea needed to go. But in order to make it more viable, I needed a developer. And I sure. set out to found someone. And that's how I came across my co-founder. So Matt, who's also another fellow South African, also based out of um, the UK, we're co-founders on Amazi. Wow. 
it's crazy how it's taken you from South Africa to UK to found a fellow South African <laughs> to co-found yes. the business with you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a really interesting journey. And I mean, you, you've started to allude to the fact that you guys are using blockchain and, you, you know, you're yeah. using fintech and all of this, all of this knowledge and technical stuff that people are unfamiliar with. And I think it's very similar to, to Bitcoin, right? Blockchain sometimes has this, I always want to say the stigma attached to it to say, you know, stay away, don't mess with that kind of thing because you don't know yeah. what you're playing with. Yeah. Um, so maybe just alleviate um, any concerns our listeners might have about blockchain and just explain to us a little bit more about what this actually is. So I love telling people about blockchain because I've had to literally, as I said as before, immerse myself. So I've got a really interesting way of explaining how blockchain works. If you think about a bunch of Lego blocks, you've got you know, red blocks, blue blocks, and green blocks. In the blockchain industry, you basically build your bottom row as red, your next row as blue, and your next row as green. But then you realize that actually the red row, you actually wanted to have a yellow row. You can't just change the row because you have to break through both the green row as well as the blue row to get back to the red row. Right. That's where blockchain comes in. You physically can't break down that wall. So sure. you have to repurpose the data that you've put in and rectify the data by making that rectifying entry to correctify what you wanted to fix in the first place because the data is there it can't be changed because blockchain in itself creates a transparency which then leads to honesty and full mm. auditability of the entries that is made so sure you know you think that you can delete something from the internet which is one yeah you can delete it but with blockchain you cannot delete it and from a financial transaction perspective, it's great. So, mm. and also from an identity perspective, if you create an identity, which is sort of what we're focusing on, you create your identity, but the rails that we build on, which is quarter rails, and you get two, three different types, right? You get quarter, Hyperledger, and Ethereum. Quarter mm -hmm. was actually developed by the founders with the help of financial institutions to help that identity process as well as creating a safe space for people to store data specifically mm. for the financial institutions so sure. that's sort of where blockchain sits at the moment and we're building on quarter as i mentioned so i don't know if that helps mm. definitely yes i think that um that illustration that you've used of the lego blocks and not being able to break through i think that is the fundamental of blockchain right you're trying to get to a point where this information that you have is completely secure yep. and is not prone to tampering. It cannot be hacked. Nope. Um, and even in terms of the all of the data leaking that's happening at the moment and just everyone's information being sold onto the dark web, you know, um, it's it's good to know that you're that there is some data that can be secure if we are using the right tools. Yes. Yeah. Because blockchain um, and real blockchain should really not be confused with cryptocurrencies, right? It's mm -hmm. blockchain is the same underlying technology, but two very different use cases. The one is exchanging of value. The other one is exchanging of data. Right. So it's two very, very different use cases. 
so for us you know dlt or distributed ledger technology blockchain technology when it comes to identity is a more safer space for us mm, absolutely that makes sense yeah. So th- then that maybe like leads into the next question, which is, what would you say is your purpose in, in Umasi? Wh- why did you start it? <laughs> I mean, you already alluded to it, but maybe to say concisely, um, what is actually the purpose? Yeah, so you're right, I already alluded to it, is it kind of falls into the purpose of blockchain, which is creating transparency and honesty. Mm. You know, Umasi is about creating a digital identity that you can share for more than one purpose, whether it is onboarding with a bank or whether it is doing a due diligence process with another corporation, your data is secure, but you can select who you share your data with and which data you want to share with which organization. So you remain solely in control of your data. So the data leak doesn't happen. Because all the data gets shared only when there's a crypto key passed. Now, a crypto key is a, is a secure way of cryptographically securing the data. And it's only when you have that crypto key that you will be able to access the data. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And so it's because of that that it is so safe and secure, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And therefore, you, you know exactly who you're dealing with, which is the transparency, um, as well as the honesty, is no one can lie on blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's good. I like that. I, I mean, if I think about the financial environment that I've worked in from an audit perspective, you're always looking for that audit trail, right? But if it's, if it's paper-based or even if it is digital, it's still prone to manipulation. So yes. it's really great that blockchain yeah. prevents those sort of things from happening, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, Umasi is quite new, right? And you've, yeah. you've been going through a little bit of a startup process. And I'm sure that some of the, the listeners today will be in a similar space where they're thinking about potentially starting a business Maybe not at the same scale as you. I don't know. Maybe maybe we've got some big dreamers on this <laughs> listening to this. I which hope is so. Awesome. <laughs> um, but but talk to us a little bit about this whole startup experience and and what it has been like to actually go through this process. And just before this this call started, we we were chatting a little bit about uh, the funding process and what you've had to go through to get to this point. And it's been it's been an interesting ride, right? Oh, for sure. So. The startup life cycle of like I would like to call it is um, very interesting. I, I saw this, this diagram once. It's a graph of the life in a start, of a startup or a startup CEO mm-hmm. where it's, there's lots of ups and there's lots of downs. And you question yourself a lot of times. And there's moments where you ask yourself, golly, am I, am I going to really get this done? Am I really going to get through this? How am I going to convince someone of my product? Mm -hmm. Um, But we're doing, I would say, pretty good considering where we've come from. So we've really, we've rebranded ourselves um, at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And since we've rebranded, we've also expanded on our target market. And the expansion of the target market is actually what put us on the foreground of some of the discussions with people. And coming to the funding side it's really about networking and it it sort of comes back to 
a one of my motto is you don't ask you don't get mm. so I have been networking with people and I you literally ask so would you be interested in funding us um, would you be interested in looking to partner with us it's a hard question to ask if you don't necessarily have a product to show people yet yes. so it's an interesting play on both words as well as creating a curiosity where people a lot of people suffer from FOMO they don't want <laughs> to to miss out on a good opportunity mm. so it's selling the opportunity before you actually have a product so we're now actually through to the last round on an organization called fintech circle Ooh. and fintech circle what they do is they put startups through a bunch of hoops. There's a very complex form that you fill in line. You have to have a business plan. You have to have your financials forecasted for the next five years. Wow. And on the back of that, you get selected of the top 14 startups. So approximately 70 of those, we got selected down to the, the, first, the next 14. Sure. And then last week, we pitched to a, a panel Mm -hmm. who then selected us to go through to the next round, which happens in October. And that next round is basically going to be in front of the top 100 angel investors in the UK. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't easily get that exposure and that opportunity, right? I'm sure it has not come without lots of hard work, blood, sweat and tears, right? <laughs> Well, I can tell you what, it's a lot of decks rewriting, pitch decks and reformatting, um, you know, getting people to look at the deck, getting critique. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're redoing the deck again for the October event because at the back of last week's pitch, they've actually given us critique. So one of the open discussion points at the moment is our valuation. So, yeah, we've got a bit of a debate on our valuation as to what the valuation should be. And evaluation is, is more an art than a science. That's true. <laughs> it's, <laughs> nice and, it's easy to manipulate some figures. Oh, wait, let's not use the word manipulate. To massage some figures. Yes, to, exactly. To the right point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's been a very interesting journey. Mm. What has been some of the major challenges that you have faced during this startup process? I would say... It was initially just networking with the right people. And the way I overcame it was throwing myself at online networking events, which was actually a lot easier because we're all online and have mm -hmm. been online for a very long time during lockdown. And literally just connecting and sending people a note saying, hey, I saw you speaking at this conference. Um, I found this one topic that you raised very interesting. Would you like to connect? That was a, a winner. Um, mm. I used that a lot. And there were a bunch of conferences. So, for example, there was um, the fin London FinTech Week earlier this year where they created breakout rooms for some of the, the startups. And then you just network. You literally just put yourself out there because the reality is, is you probably don't see that person ever again besides online. So you meet so many people, you're not going to recognize it. So you kind of just put yourself out there and go for it. Yeah. I think sometimes we just have to get over ourselves and 
just take yep. a chance and we have to believe yep. in ourselves at the end of the day you're not going to be able to get anyone else to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself correct correct and it's also i would say in a normal environment if i was asked that question i would say my answer to that would be is look the part but in today's day and age being most of the things being online is you can't necessarily step into a networking event without something to give back yes. and to me there it's there's it's a couple of things right is research to to the topic that you're dialing into so that you mm -hmm. at least have something to add that you can have a discussion so that you're interesting mm. um but also be curious you know you get respected more if you get asked a if you ask a question that you actually don't know instead of sitting mm. there and waffling and not being prepared so that has also been very helpful for me that's really interesting it sounds like you've had a really um, busy lockdown. And when we were talking <laughs> beforehand, you said that you, this idea has been in the pipeline for about a year and a half, I think you said, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Sure. So I've actually gone through a process where, as you mentioned, is rightly so, is the ideas sort of be bubbling in the background. Mm -hmm. But I've not necessarily focused on the idea as much as I did during lockdown because I was always busy with a nine-to-five job. Sure. And then as it happens is I went into lockdown working for another startup, but that startup didn't have enough funding to keep me on. Oh, wow. And it was during a, a time where people weren't hiring because it was so much uncertainty. Mm. So you ask yourself your question, what am I going to do? And yeah. I got my notebook out with a bunch of tabs and I started organizing myself and saying, what do I want to achieve with Amazi? And fast forward, here we are. And I'm, wow. I have to say, I feel very accomplished at this point in time. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't blame you. You definitely deserve to feel accomplished <laughs> after all of that. That's amazing. <laughs> you, you spoke about organizing yourself. Um, yes. And, and sometimes it's really hard for us to organize our lives in such a way that we can keep work and life separate. Do you yes. believe that they should be separate? And if so... How do you make sure that you keep them apart? Like, is there something like work-life balance? There's definitely a work-life balance. And I think it depends on your situation. So I can speak for both the startup environment as well as the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. In the corporate environment, it's probably a little bit more easier, especially if you're working for a large organization. You rock up nine to five, you do your job and you go home. So you can leave work at work and you can leave home at home. So I think it was easier for me to do it when I was working for a corporation. Mm -hmm. As a startup, it's really hard to separate the two because it's, it's like your baby. Exactly. If an email comes in at 10 o'clock from a potential client, because it's your business, are you really going to wait till the next day and try and put your foot down and say, I don't respond to emails after <laughs> nine o'clock? Of course yeah. not. Which is why I say it depends on your situation. For mm. me... I don't, generally people don't respond to emails really late at night anymore um, because people are starting to get more aware of a work-life balance. But do I bring work home? I work from home. So where else yeah. am I going to go with my work, right? Exactly. Do I bring my work to the dinner table? Yes, I do because what else have I got to talk about unless <laughs> I've had something else going on, on, on during the day? 
But yeah. also talking about it is helpful because I've got a, I'm in a very unique situation where my fiance is actually, um, he works within the finance industry for a very prominent bank and he looks, he's responsible for mergers and acquisitions. So wow. he buys and sells companies for a living. Mm. So he gets how I need to be able to position myself to put me in a very unique position that I might go through an IPO one day. I might sure. be bought by someone else. Mm-hmm. Strategically, how do we place ourselves so that we're financially, like financially sound, but also product sound. Yeah. So he's been very helpful. And sure. I've had to cross the lines between personal and business because of that, because mm-hmm. during lockdown, there was no one else I could talk to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I guess it's all about the season, right? And and rather than the work-life balance, maybe it's a case of what season am I in? And if I'm in startup mode, then yes, work-life balance is probably not going to be a reality. But as your business becomes more mature and you start getting more settled in your responsibilities, then yes, the likelihood of you regaining work-life balance is probably greater again, right? Correct. But also it depends on what you see as a balance. That's true. If it's responding to the three odd emails that came in on a Saturday, is that so bad? And do you take the time to actually dedicate just to yourself from a mindfulness perspective? Yeah. So you can be working technically and responding to emails seven days a week, but if you don't take the time out to be mindful and do exercise, there's not really a balance Mm, um, for me. So yeah. it depends on how you look at balance as well. Mm, I do agree. Because if you, if, you, if you're just going to walk away from your laptop and say, I'm not going to look at, at my laptop, but I'm going to be sitting and binge watching some Netflix series. <laughs> exactly. That's not quite balanced either, right? <laughs> yeah. You're going from one screen to another. <laughs> exactly. 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 That makes sense. Well, I mean, I'm sure there have been mornings when you've been like, oh man, I just actually don't want to work on this pitch deck again for the umpteenth time. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a quote or a scripture or anything that inspires you to to help you make sure that you are working towards your purpose every day and to help beat those moments of overwhelm, of potential burnout, of just being sick of, of business? Yes, I do. I was actually asked this question not too long ago as well. And I used exactly the same one is you can't become if you remain what you are. Sure. Say that again. You can't become if you remain what you are. Mm. So if you want to become something else, you can't keep doing what you're doing every day. Sure. You have to make a change. So Mm. if you want to be, become the entrepreneur, You can't have the attitude of, oh, I can wait today because there will be another day tomorrow. You won't be successful. I I 100% agree. It is about what we are, what what the stories are that we are telling ourselves and absolutely agree that it has to be mindset related because we we create our own realities at the end of the day. So that makes perfect sense. Yes. Agree. Agree. Okay. Well, as I I close out this question, this interview, (laughs) let's ask you. (laughs) two or three more final questions. Firstly, okay. if you had to give one piece of advice from all of your experience, from corporate and running a startup, um, to existing or aspiring entrepreneurs that would help them to make their business a success, what would it be? It's, yeah, it's a couple of things. 
aside from what I mentioned before of just putting yourself out there, yeah. um, it's kind of also, if you don't ask, you don't get, mm-hmm. and you need to teach others how to treat you. That's something yes. that I've learned very, very early on. It was actually even before I left South Africa, one of my managers at the time told me that is whether it's personal, whether it's business, you teach others how to treat you. Mm. So if you allow people to walk over you, to disappoint you, it's partly your own fault. It's partly your own responsibility to change that. Mm. And whether that is about speaking up and changing, changing the storyline and then comes back to you don't ask, you don't get right. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that you're going to ask for funding probably Mm -hmm. Um, and be in a difficult situation you're sometimes going to hear no it's not personal it's business yeah Yeah, for sure I think that's great I 100% agree with it if you don't if you don't teach others how to how to treat you you they are always going to treat you the way that you are subconsciously teaching them how to treat you correct (laughs) maybe that doesn't make sense but it is yeah but if you don't correct them they're always going to treat you the same way exactly so those 10 p.m. mails, if you don't want them, then maybe you mustn't respond to them. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, Cindy, it's really been fun chatting to you. But just before we close it out completely, do you have any exciting events or offers that you would like to share with our listeners? Or where can they check out what's happening with a startup um, online? So Marzi hasn't actually fully properly launched yet. We're hoping to do a soft launch of Amazi at the next quarter conference, which is mm-hmm. actually called QuarterCon. So I'll be speaking at QuarterCon on digital identity specifically. Awesome. That is in the first week of October. So if you're interested in blockchain, I would say look up R3 and Corda. Um, they've mm-hmm. got a lot of very helpful videos and webinars that they note on their website and then the conferences is absolutely something to die for and the normal circumstances it's a very prestigious event sure with an amazing good party afterwards (laughs) (laughs) which you'll be missing this year (laughs) absolutely we're going to be missing out on that one this year but i would say the showcasing that happens and the topics of discussions is very much blockchain specific but Mm -hmm. very very informative very informative awesome. and very much on the foreground of um, revolutionary tech. Mm, that's really exciting. Love that. And then the other one is just our pitch event that we're doing in October, hopefully for some funding. Mm, we are holding thumbs for you on that one. Where would they be able to um, find the announcement that you have been funded online? Do you guys have a Umasi page yet? I know we had yep. a discussion about marketing just now, <laughs> but what do you have on social media? We've got a website, um, a very simple website so you're welcome to watch us on our website we'll prob- definitely make the announcement on our website and once we've launched a quarter con we'll start looking to post some more information via the omazi linkedin page um so you can definitely find us awesome. on linkedin okay yeah, for sure otherwise just my linkedin profile perfect and we'll be linking those in um in the comments below so do go check out cindy uh, Cindy, it was really a pleasure chatting to a South African all the way from the UK. Uh, <laughs> and it's been so fun hearing about your journey. Um, and I'm wishing you guys all the best with your pitch in October. And I look forward to hearing the good news. 
Thank you, Christine. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you as well. And thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Cindy. We'll chat again soon. Enjoy your afternoon. Thank you for tuning into our podcast with Cindy van Niekerk, the founder of Umasi. And if you're only listening into the end to get your key takeaway, make sure that you listen to the full interview. There was so much wisdom that Cindy shared, but her key piece of advice for existing and aspiring entrepreneurs is that you teach others how to treat you. And if you don't ask, you don't get. So until our next interview with a fellow entrepreneur, where we understand how they have discovered their purpose, but more importantly, how they are living it out in the real world every day, this is Christine Tadop signing out. Bye.